Thank you. As, as you all know, this has been a very, very difficult time for the, for the family of Kyron. And remember, this is the one-week anniversary, which is very sensitive to us. Uh, we, we very quickly wanted to plan because the family wanted to talk to the news media. They're not prepared to answer any questions. But what, what I do want to tell you is that after, after this press concert, conference, if you'd like, please meet in the, the back here and we'll have Captain Brosh and Mary Lindstrom and they'll give you a way to be able to, to email questions in. We'll make sure the family gets that and they'll review some of those questions for our next meeting time. And I don't know when that is, but we'll figure that out so they can answer some of your questions, which the family knows is very important. But keep in mind, this is very difficult. Here with me today is Kane Harmon. And if you would you like me to spell their names? Kane, K-A-I-N-E. Harmon, H-O-R-M-A-N, Terry Harmon, H-T-E-R-R-I-H-O-R-M-A-N, uh, Tony Young, T-O-N-Y-Y-O-U-N-G, and Desiree Young, D-E-S-I-R-E-E-Y-O-U-N-G. And remember, they stand together here today as a family. Before I let uh, Tony speak one of the two messages, I want to I remind you, if we can get the information out about this is, this is going to be a wonderful weekend, it's supposed to be warm. As you're out there recreating, all our families, keep your prayers and thoughts on our little boy, because you never know the type of information that can come back to us and we can find him. So with that being said, Tony, can you come on down? Thank you. Hello, uh, my name is Tony Young, and I'm Kyron's stepfather. Uh, the family has asked me to speak on their behalf today. I would just like to say, Kyron, we miss you, we love you, and we need you home right now. We're doing everything we can to work with the law enforcement and the search and the rescue crews to make sure that you can get back to us as soon as possible. We want to say how much we appreciate the outpouring of love and support, prayer and thoughts, as we wait for you. Your school friends and their families, the teachers, the staff at your school, and the community as a whole have shown how much impact one little boy's smile can have on a community. You mean everything to us, and until you come home, this family is not complete. Please, Kyron, keep up the hope. We believe in you, and we know you will be back with us soon. I'd like to now introduce Kyron's father, Kane Horman. Hi, I'm Kane. I'm Kyron's father. We want to thank the community, the parents, the children, bus drivers, and all of those who are being interviewed multiple times to help find Kyron. Thank you. We as the family know how difficult and stressful this is, but your memories and statements can help us find Kyron. We will never be able to thank you enough for that help. Finally, we would like to thank the media. If it was not for you showing Kyron on every newscast, printing his story in the papers, his face would not be known to everyone. People from around the nation have seen his picture. This helps tremendously. Please help us bring Kyron home. 
I do, I do want to thank the Brooks Hill Historic Church here today because without this little office here, we would not be able to get our story out. And we really appreciate not only all the people out there helping us, but as this church as well. With that being said, the family's going to go ahead and leave, and I will have Captain Brosh and Lieutenant Mary Lindstrom answering um, to make sure that you're able to get the questions to them. Thank you. Hey, what is up, everyone? Welcome to the Crack House Chronicles. I am Donnie, your host, and with me is a man who wants to apologize to everyone he hasn't offended, but he's working on it. <laughs> it's Dale. I'll, yeah, I'll get there. Just give me time. You dang right, he will. <laughs> People tell me daily. <laughs> How are you, bud? I'm doing well. How about you? I'm great, man. I feel pretty good today. I'm ready, ready feel to, good too. We here and do this. It's been a little while, in it? It has, and we had a little bit of. We tried to do this one other day, and we had some computer problems. That and was we, just so weird. Yep. Yeah. So we're back in here today, and same things seem to be working all right. I hope so. Yeah. We're going to give it a shot and see how it goes. If not, this is what you get, and we'll just go with that. Yeah, that's right. It'll be the end of it. <laughs> we yep. just, we're going to upload this shit, this shit anyway, whatever it is. Yep. You got any shout outs for us or any kind of uh, we like people to say, you want uh, to mention? Yeah, um, I'd like to say thanks to uh, Magentas. That's her handle on Twitter. I'm not sure her name, but uh, she sent us a picture of some shirts and stuff, and then. Uh, Put some pretty cool stuff about us on uh, on the Twitter machine there. About she's checked us out for several weeks here in a row, and we really appreciate that. Absolutely, we need to uh, work a little harder on the Twitter, or I should say, because uh, I, I ain't really been keeping up with that too much. No, so. I don't. I don't look that much either. My bad. And we'd like to give a little shout out to uh, Carrie Cook and, uh, from Instagram. And uh, I think she might be on Twitter too. I ain't sure. I think we got like what forty five followers or something. Yeah, we just don't. Like. We don't get on our Twitter much and yeah. boost it like we do Facebook. We'll, we'll have to hire us a Twitter account. It. Yeah, we need to. <laughs> yeah, it'd be cool. If you want to do it, hit us up. We'll we'll see what we can do. Yeah. Yeah, but anyway, anybody that puts anything nice about us, or send us a thing or comments, you know, on our stuff, we really appreciate the interaction because, man, we, that's a big part of what we like doing. You know, meeting we, you guys and talking to you guys, it's it's really cool. We love our listeners. Yeah, we we appreciate it. That's a really cool thing about this. Absolutely. And we want to remind everybody to check out the web page, go to the store page. I got I got to do the business part of it. Donnie's nail business hammer. Yeah. Hitting you in the head. Order a shirt. Damn order it. something. Damn it. Yeah. <laughs> go to Apple Podcast and please rate and review. Yeah. Click that five star. Tell your friends. How about that? That'll be even better. Yeah. Because, yeah, they appreciate it. Most people dig it, so whatever. Absolutely. And if you don't, tell them to go and like it and subscribe, and they don't have to look at it. Yeah. <laughs> and just keep going. Yeah. But most people that uh, find us, they like us. Yeah. And anybody who's got an Apple phone, steal their phone and just go in there and five-star and put it back down. Yep. Give it back. Don't don't keep it. Well, we better get started. Somebody's going to complain about us rambling on. Damn, were we over two minutes? I don't think we are, but <laughs> yeah, we're over two minutes. Damn it. Yeah, we're going to get another email. Yeah. <laughs> Y'all need to move on. You know, I don't give a shit. I'm having a good time. All right, we're going to do, this is part two of what happened to Kyron Horman. Part two. Like we said in the last episode of part one, you know, when we left off from there, the family had just given a, a press conference. Yep. And. Well, I don't know about the family. Well, it was They Tony. were there. Okay. Yeah, I it was Tony it. Young. He was, he's the husband of Desiree Young. He, she is Kyron's biological mother. Right. And then um, I think Kane, he spoke just thanking everybody for coming out right but tony was the one that really stepped forward i think he's a i think he's a deputy or a police officer or something a detective or something yeah. yeah so he's used to that kind of thing right dealing with the public and all that okay but picking up where we left off now dale from the very beginning of this whole story of kyron horman terry horman that is kyron's stepmom was viewed with suspicion by the police well, and she should yeah 
because well, you know, she's the last one technically to see him. Yep, and she had a lot of unexplained gaps in her stories. And it's all one of, big one, especially. Yeah. Now, all of Kyron's family members were subject to long interviews with the police, and they all agreed to take polygraphs, even Terry. Yeah. But she seemed to be the only one that had an issue with passing it. Well, she took like three. Yeah. But to be to be fair, it's also said that she was questioned for a pretty lengthy time before they let her do her polygraph. And then every question that she missed, they stopped and asked her why she missed it. Yeah. Which would be kind of weird because you never see that happen. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if that was in the first one or in the second one or in the third one or what, but that's what I had heard had happened. And that would probably make you pretty damn nervous if anything to ask you, whatever you say, they berate you about it, you know? Yeah. So I don't know. But according to the Multnomah County Sheriff's Office, between the 4th and 25th of June, Terry would take two different polygraph tests. Mm-hmm failing the first one and walking out of another one in frustration because of the verbiage of the questions. And she'd even stated in one of the interviews that she was like deaf in one ear or something. Hmm. And she couldn't hear the questions. She knew she actually would lip read or something to be able to understand the questions. So okay. you think we're going in that she would tell them. Or you think she's full of shit. Talking to my good ear. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, I've never heard that's a pretty original excuse for a polygraph failure. Yeah. Huh? What? <laughs> what you? And, you know, like I said, you know, we've, we've talked about polygraph being unreliable and all that. But this was viewed by the police as a major indicator of guilt. So they continued digging into Terry's story and her personal life. Right. And like we said, they were very, very skeptical about her chunk of time, that 90 minutes of she her driving around. Trying to get her kid to sleep. Yeah, it's kind of weird. The little girl uh, with the ear infection. Yeah. 90 minutes. That's a long time. That is a long time. And during this whole time, Dale, the media became aware that the police were investigating Terry. Several details about her life began to be dug up by the journalist who discovered that she had a DUI from the mid-2000s, which kind of derailed her teaching career. Right. And even inspired a case to be filed against Child Protective Services. Right. Her son, James, had been in the car with her. Yeah, that that'll kind of that makes it a little worse. When she was arrested for a DUI. Yeah, not, so, not know, good. Not good at all. Don't drive, don't drive drunk, but don't drive drunk with the kids. Yeah. Yeah, just don't drive drunk at just, all. Yeah, just don't deserve something else. Yeah. <laughs> Keep your eyes in the house. Yeah, if you don't drink, stay home. Now, on June 26th of 2010, more than three weeks after Kyron's disappearance, his father, Kane, was contacted by the Multnomah County Sheriff's Office, Dale. And he was asked to come in and talk with them without Terry. Hmm. And he was told it had something to do with Kyron's case. Of course, he was happy to do whatever it took to oh, yeah. any answers for his son. And but just a little backstory on this. Uh, days before all this went down, there was a landscaper that worked on the property of the Hormans. And oh. his name was Rodolfo Sanchez but they called him Rudy for short. Yeah. And he had come forward. This guy was secretly hired by Terry in 2008 to work on the yard from time to time. So he says. Yeah. Okay. But there was also a story that James, this is Terry's you know, son by a previous marriage, that he was supposed to be doing the yard work. Yeah, and it was like a five-acre property or something, too. Yeah. Pretty big place. Yeah. But Kane had wanted him to do some yard work, mm-hmm. to, I guess just to get him out of the house, do something, be productive. Get off your ass. 
Yeah, but Terry Terry <laughs> wasn't going for that, and he didn't like doing it, so she hired this landscaper secretly to do the yard work. Right. With, and she, I think she paid with her child support money. Yeah, sure did that way. I guess it didn't show up that she's paying this guy. And I think she did it like, I don't know, probably nine or ten times you know, before, yeah. before all this. But anyway, Terry had secretly hired him in 2008 to work on the yard from time to time, and he had told police that Terry had offered him a lot of money to kill Kane Horman. Hmm. That's Kyron's dad. And according to Rudy, Terry invited him out to a restaurant in the early months of 2010, and it was there she asked him to murder Kane while making it look like a mugging. According to the police, Terry told Rudy that Kane often carried a large amount of cash with him, so any attack would make it look like a mugging. And Terry then told Rudy that he could keep any of the money that Kane would have on him, which she said he usually kept around $10,000 on him. Hmm. So I don't know anybody that keeps $10,000 on him at all yeah, times. that's a little bit. So basically she's saying, I need you to kill him, and you can like act like it's a mug and keep the money, and that's what I'm paying you. Yeah, what, what he's got. Whatever he has so on him. So if he's got 30 cents, that's what you get. Whatever he has on him, it's yours. Ten grand. that's a little much, don't you think? It is. Be a hell of a wallet to carry that. Mm-hmm. Was it like a hundred one hundreds? Yeah, that's a stack. Why in the hell would he carry money around like that? I don't know. I mean, he worked for Intel. Yeah, but he's not like a diamond buyer going mm-hmm. around to pawn shops or something Mm-mm. or whatever they do. <laughs> I don't know. Dumb I don't know, I don't know why. Shops. Unless she just told him that to kill Kane. Right. Yeah, because it's kind of odd to me. But anyway, maybe she's getting this guy to believe him. And they said there's like a uh, some kind of language barrier here too right yeah because um he didn't speak he spoke english but not very well right and i don't think she spoke any spanish no okay so yeah make it be kind of weird seeing him in a restaurant or something so basically she had him cleaning up their property for about two years and then she decided to ask him to kill her old man yeah okay and the reasoning for this murder for hire plot was that kane had been abusive and was planning to divorce terry while assuming custody of their toddler kiara unless Terry acted preemptively. So that's what she told him. Exactly. Gotcha. And Kane was eventually told all this by the Multnomah County Sheriff's Office. And while an undercover sting was taking place at his house, Rudy Sanchez was and an undercover cop acting as a hitman were arriving at the Horman household. Oh, so when they called him to come into the Sheriff's Department because it, it, it was something to do with his kid, they were at his house. Exactly. Trying to pull. Okay. Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> And it was there they attempted to barter an agreement with Terry, and they proposed to carry out the hit on Kane while wearing a wire. Hmm. And Rudy kept referring back to this supposed conversation that Terry and he had had months prior. All the details of this operation, Dale, had never been released, so we don't know really how it ended up at all. I guess they're just keeping that pretty close to the vest. Hmm. Yeah, that's kind of wild. Probably, probably got spooked. Probably did. Especially if he kept referring back to some certain thing, like he's pushing her to talk about it or whatever. Mm -hmm. Now, some people theorize that Terry and Rudy had carried on an affair in the months prior to this undercover sting. Hmm. Well, probably so, you know, because basically she's probably telling everybody, don't let him know he's here. You know what I mean? Probably. Because, you know, he's he's coming over in secret. She can't tell him because the kid's supposed to be doing the yard work. and So it looks probably odd when... You know, people see him over there during the day cleaning up, or he's, I'm sure he had a, some kind of work truck or something, you know. And then, well, don't tell nobody he's here. Don't tell him, blah, blah, blah. So that probably <laughs> looks a little strange. And I think the authorities had went to Rudy, and after he went to him telling him about this, that if you don't do this thing, then 
we're going to deport your family. That hmm. they were using that as a. They wouldn't do that. I bet they would. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. Yeah, so I, I bet they were, you know, putting the pressure on. Uh, you need to do this, or we will deport y'all back. Hmm. While the undercover operation was hoping to catch Terry on tape talking about the death of her husband, this failed miserably. That did not stop authorities from informing Kane about the alleged threat to his life. And Dale, as you can imagine, this ticked Kane off a lot. You reckon? Yeah. <laughs> Even though the accusations against Terry would never be proven, he returned home that evening and ultimately ended up with an argument with Terry. Oh, sure. Which resulted in him leaving the house with their one year old daughter, Kiara. But Terry would end up calling 911 that same day at about 11.39 p.m. and what the police would describe as a custody matter. So I guess when he left with the the toddler, that's when she called 911. Right. Saying he took my kid. Kidnapped my kid. Yeah. Yeah. Now, over the next several days, the press would get wind of all this stuff going on, the undercover sting, and reported heavily on Terry attempting to solicit the death of Kane. Right. And this was only exaggerated by the report that Kane had fled from the home in the dead of the night, along with the couple's 18-month-old. Mm-hmm. So the press was really hounding Terry at this time. Oh, I'm sure. And they urged Terry to do the right thing and fully cooperate with the police investigation. Now, just two days later, Kane would file for divorce, as well as a restraining order for both him and Kiara. Wow. Yeah. And restraining orders were immediately granted, pending the police investigation, but the divorce itself wouldn't take place for years to come. Yeah, but in the meantime, Kane began to separate himself from his wife entirely, even stating in the initial divorce filings that he believed, quote, Terry is involved with the disappearance of my son, Kyron. So, yeah, it's trouble in the household. Yeah, I'm sure, especially if he was already thinking that, and then he found out that she had hired the hitman or whatever. And all this time, they, they keep digging into Terry. And it would later come to light that Terry was had started a sexual relationship with a 37-year-old man named Michael Cook. Mm-hmm. And he is a former classmate of Kane, who even participated in the search for Kyron. Yeah, I think that's where they met. She had never met him until he was coming to help out them look for Kyron, right? Yep. Yeah. And just days after Kane left with Kiara, Terry started sending Michael sexually explicit text messages mm-hmm. yeah we've read some of them you can find them online yeah you can find them yeah we're not gonna talk about them yeah this <laughs> yeah she was real new man yeah she was pretty eager to start a new sexual relationship quick yeah so, yeah just which is really weird i mean you know it's kind of funny but you think about it he just disappeared they're looking for him and how long is this afterwards did somebody she just met just a couple weeks man yeah and, and never did find out what the reason was they first started texting back and forth but yeah it started out you know just kind of normal and then took a big turn quick oh yeah with her driving basically yeah oh yeah she yeah. was driving it hard too yeah. yeah you can find these texts so you know if you've into that kind of stuff and you want to read it check it out yeah. they're online yeah we ain't hating nobody for sexing or nothing no, i'm just saying it was, no, it's out there okay now in the final days of june of that year terry would obtain the services of a high-powered criminal defense attorney his name was Stephen Howes, and she was preparing herself for not only a legal defense, but a in court of public opinion. Oh, yeah. And from the end of June on, Terry Horman's life became a public spectacle. Oh, I bet. The journalists and reporters. Everybody digging up anything they can find yeah, on Yeah, constantly. I mean, she couldn't go to the store. She couldn't go to the gym without reporters right. being there. 
And there was even rumors of a grand jury that began, which supposedly weighing in whether or not to file charges against Terry. And for the better part of a whole month, uh, the rumors would proliferate a lot of reporting before most of the specific information started to be leaked. Now, I wonder if this is uh, charges with uh, the hitman or charges Probably. with the disappearance. Cause I would say both. Much, there's not much evidence on the disappearance at I all, know. really. So they could do something with the, the hitman thing just to keep her around. You know? Yeah. Is that against her to get her to talk if she do anything? Yeah. Yeah. In July of 2010, just the next month, one of Terry's friends sort of joins the spotlight. And her name is Dee Dee Spicer. I guess I think that's how you pronounce it. So. Yeah, and apparently this is about the only person that didn't turn her back on her. Yeah. Her only friend, I guess. And she got involved in all this. And Dee Dee had been subpoenaed by the Multnomah County Grand Jury as one of several witnesses that was close to Terry. But they got to grow closer together in the weeks of after Kyron's disappearance. And like I said, she was um, one of the few that had been in active conversation with Terry since June and, act- and actually gone and stayed with her yeah. for a little while. Moved in. Mm-hmm. And they began to suspect that their phones were being tapped and monitored, Dale. Because they were. You think so? Yeah. Hmm. Pretty sure. And I think they went and got burner phones. They did. Now, Dee Dee believes that the police were trying to pressure her into implicate Terry in Kyron's disappearance telling even People Magazine in August of 2010, and she even told them, quote, they wanted me to tell them that Terry did it or that Terry knew something. I told them everything I knew over and over again, but I didn't tell them what they wanted to hear. Hmm. So I don't know if... Maybe she didn't know that. Maybe she didn't, or Dee Dee just didn't know everything. Right. She only knows what Terry's going to tell her, you know. She wasn't there. That's true. So, you know. I just wonder if they ever checked Dee Dee's phone records the day Kyron disappeared, you know, from what her I pings think, and stuff. I've seen somewhere that uh, they did not have any contact that day on phone. Really? Yeah. None mm. on the phone records. That's pretty interesting. In addition to the news about Terry's friend Dee Dee, it would later come to light in November of 2010 that in the months leading up to Kyron's disappearance, Terry Horman have been sending emails to friends that seem to blame Kyron for her failing marriage. Hmm. Yeah. And then in these emails, Terry also seemed to blame her husband, Kane, for her teenage son, James, being sent to live with his grandparents, saying that on at least one occasion that James' grades and overall demeanor had improved since moving out. Well, I'm sure. From what I found is that he left because he was getting into fights with her and Kane. So... Hmm. If it was a pretty volatile situation, then if he moves out and gets, you know, a little chill there, probably would be better off. I don't know. Yeah, and there were several emails that Terry described Kane as being overbearing and described an overall, I guess, toxic household that was becoming unstable. Right. And it was unknown how much of this was true or being exaggerated by Terry going through some serious issues. Right. Mm-hmm. Plus, you know, she also having to take care of this, you know, of this kid that's not hers and pretty much having to do everything for him. But I don't know. I guess that's what she signed up for in the first place. But mm-hmm. I guess after they become more together, you know, and even though Kane's at work, but after a while, you know, probably getting to eat on her, it seems like. Now, jumping just a little bit ahead to June of 2012, this was about two years after Kyron had disappeared. Desiree Young, this is Kyron's birth mom, filed a civil suit against 
the stepmother, Terry Horman. Oh, yeah, claiming that she was responsible for the disappearance of Kyron. And she was seeking $10 million in damages. And the suit was aimed at proving, if not criminally, then through civil court that Terry had kidnapped Kyron. And Terry sought to delay the suit. The motion was denied by a federal court judge who allowed the suit to move forward. As the discovery began with those involved in the case were called to testify against Terry. And among them was D.D. D. Spicer. This was Terry's friend who had supported and lived with Terry for a couple weeks following Kyron's disappearance. Mm-hmm. And investigators had called D.D. cooperative in her criminal investigation. Her involvement in the civil trial was quite different. And during a disposition, D.D. would refuse to answer 142 questions. What? Yeah, pleading the fifth to all of them. And Dale, these included questions regarding her whereabouts on the day Kyron disappeared, June the 4th, 2010, as well as her contact with Terry that day. And this led to an increased scrutiny regarding the two who many believe were withholding the information in this case. Yeah. Uh, for seemingly no reason at all. That's, uh, that don't look good at all there. 142 questions? Yeah. I wonder how many they asked her. Total, 143 and a half. Yeah. <laughs> what's your name? Yeah. Hey, girl, what's your name, girl? And it would also come to light that Dee Dee had taken a deal that gave her immunity in exchange for her testimony. In a subsequent deposition, she admitted to widespread unemployment fraud that was supposedly why she'd been so evasive regarding certain questions, but it seemed to kill a lot of momentum in the civil trial. Hmm. So she had a lot, it looked like she had a lot of stuff to hide. Right. Maybe even some personal stuff, but maybe that's why she pled the fifth, but I don't know. I think she knows more than she was letting on about. Now in July of 2013, Desiree, this is like I said, this is Kyron's birth mom, would announce that she dropped the lawsuit uh, because she didn't want to interfere with the ongoing police investigation. And the, now the police had been investigating this case for upwards of three years and had not pressed charges or even officially named a suspect, despite them not having a lot of continued interest in Kyron's stepmom, Terry. Hmm. Now, that same year of 2013, Terry and Kane Horman's divorce would be finalized with him being granted full custody of their daughter, Kiara. So Terry didn't get nothing. She don't need nothing. No. No, I'm kind of being mean. We don't know she's done it. Mm-hmm. And in 2016, Terry started to speak public for the first time. She went on Dr. Phil's show. All right. Terry claimed that she'd been unfairly portrayed by the media and even been forced out of Oregon due to the stress and scrutiny. And she even attempted to change her name twice. And both attempts had been pretty much rejected. And judges thinking that uh, it was best in the public interest for this not to happen. Right. Well, she could just disappear, I guess. But I guess they keep records of all that, you know. Should. Somewhere, the, I'm sure. The old name, I don't know. I don't know how that stuff works. Uh-huh. I've never tried to change my name. but Now, Terry was asked by Dr. Phil why she waited so long to speak out, and she told Dr. Phil that she was advised from the beginning by law enforcement, by my husband at the time, by attorneys in the beginning, not to say anything. I've always wanted to. I've always asked multiple times to speak out and have not been allowed. Hmm. And when asked what, about, what she thought about what happened to Kyron, she seemed to offer up a mysterious alternate suspect. Okay. And she claimed there was a man in a white pickup Ford truck parked on Highway 30 at a 7-Eleven near the school. And he was acting very strangely, and he was addressed by one of the employees because he had been pacing back and forth in front of the 7-Eleven for about an hour. 
So she knows this how. <laughs> I don't know. That's a lot of details for somebody. Yeah. I don't know. You can buy any any Seven Eleven and see somebody pacing back and forth. Right. And then she said, the guy, I'm not sure what the conversation was about, but I do know from these witnesses that this man asked the employees where the nearest school was and that employee told him Skyline Elementary. You know, I don't, I don't much, how much of that to believe, man. I don't know. I I, I'd like to know how she I think she physically just, found this out. I, I think she, she just said trying, she was there, right? Yeah, I'm okay. just trying to, I think she's just trying to pass the blame. I think so, too. Whatever you can think of. You ain't going to tell Dr. Bill. Well, you know. <laughs> Dr. Bill's going to come down on her ass. Yeah. yeah. Don't, don't make me call Oprah. Mm-mm. But now, according to Desiree Young, this is Kyron's birth mother, saying about Terry Horman being on the Dr. Phil show, she said this was just a continuation of Terry's troubling behavior in the years since Kyron has gone missing. And she even stated that in an article released by KTVL. And Desiree was even quoted as saying, everything that's been happening... Is just what we already know her true nature and that she's a criminal and i think that she goes out there and grants interviews with dr phil and continues to lie and not give us anything of value we're still out there dealing with the aftermath every day living without the answers and living without Kyron. wow so yeah and over the years there have been several searches have been arranged for Kyron in and around the area of skyline elementary and none of them have been able to find any sign of him at all it's, it's really mysterious isn't it now, get this, Dale. After two episodes of Dr. Phil, where Terry was aired, she would uh, face a lot of legal problems. Mm. Prior to the episodes being released, she'd been arrested in California for driving a stolen car and had been booked in Marin County Jail, later being released on bail. And after the episodes aired, she would face charges for domestic abuse, having threatened her then-living boyfriend with a knife. Mm. He would eventually file for restraining order in the latter half of 2016, and Terry would even face charges for stealing a gun from her roommate. So Terry's got a lot of shit going Ooh, on. Yeah, man. I think she's, she's way out there by now. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, it's just a lot of circumstantial, but I think a lot of it, a lot of guilt points toward Terry. Yeah. Uh, yeah, because no, nothing she ever says adds up. No. And to this day, Dale, the Multnomah County Sheriff's Office continues to oversee this case, and to this day... They've kept most of the details about this investigation concealed. This includes witness statements, which Terry claims could exonerate her if released. And because this case has really been tried in the public's, you know, the public atmosphere, it's hard to tell what is fact or fiction or anything like that. Right. But it seems like the police have suspected Terry of involvement since pretty, pretty much from the get-go, and it's hard to tell exactly what set them down this path. Hmm. But, it's not really hard to tell. Well, true. <laughs> Listen to the first 40 minutes, I think that pretty much tells you. To this day, Dale, Kyron Horman remains a missing person, and at the time of his disappearance, it was he was described as having blue eyes and brown hair and required glasses. He's probably still got blue eyes and brown hair. Yeah. Well, and there are age progression photos out there that have been released of what they think he would look like today. And anyone with any information is encouraged to call the Multnomah County Sheriff's Office, and they have a tip line set up, and it's, the number is 503-261-2847. And there is still a $50,000 reward for information leading to a resolution, resolution. of this case. Yeah. Wow. it's pretty sad, isn't it? Yep. And there's one cool thing about it, though. There is a Kyron Horman Foundation that was established in 2010, and it hopes to help 
bring attention not only to cases of missing children, but adults that are missing under potentially dangerous circumstances. Mm. And the foundation has helped do a lot of good, not only for Karen's case, but dozens of others that have gone missing in the Pacific Northwest. You know, it's sad that Karen's gone, but there's a good note that some things are being done to help other people that are missing. Yeah. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. But if anybody has any information, please come forward and tell them what you know. All right, Dale, that is the case of Kyron Horman. Pretty sad, man. Yep. I don't, I don't a, really know it, what happened there. You know, everything points to to Terry for me. Uh, I don't know that she did it. She, maybe she didn't, you know, but everything just seems awful damn odd. And Kyron was a cute kid, man. Yeah. Had a lot of stuff going on. CSI. Yep. Red tree frog. Yep. No, red-eyed tree frog. Yep. <laughs> and his orange and black sketchers. Yeah. He's the man. Yep. All right, we're going to get out of here. Hope you find him. All right. We want everyone to be safe, be careful, and always be aware of your surroundings. Because the next episode could be about you. This is The The Crack Crack House House Chronicles. Chronicles.